episode 35, chapter 3 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. I'm Chris Lambert. And I'm Josh Havens. And we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that He would help you grow today in the everyday moments of life. And today, we're continuing our conversation with Jim and Alan Fadling about their book, What Does Your Soul Love? Jim and Alan Fadling are founders of Unhurried Living Incorporated, a nonprofit that resources and trains Christian leaders to rest deeper, live fuller, and lead better. Jim is a trained spiritual director, retreat speaker, and podcaster, and she enjoys serving as a guide with the intention of helping people encounter God in their very real lives. Alan is also a trained spiritual director, and he speaks and consults internationally with organizations such as Saddleback Church, InterVarsity Christian Fellowship, and Open Doors International. He is an award-winning author of An Unhurried Leader and An Unhurried Life, which was honored with a Christianity Today Award of Merit in Spirituality. What's the lifestyle of discipleship really about? Is it something we have to do? Is it something we have to learn? Or is it simply something we get to participate in as we stay close to God in the everyday moments of life? We can get so caught up in trying to transform ourselves that we often forget Jesus is the one who began the work in our lives and will also be the one to transform us. If this is true, the lifestyle of discipleship really becomes a life of staying beside Jesus, especially when we mess up. This isn't a passive role, though. It simply recognizes that we are not the ones with the power to transform. In this chapter, Jem and Alan unpack the secret to living a life of transformation. It's not about doing something. Instead, it's all about letting go of your attempts to fix things on your own and allowing God to be the one who does the transformation. I love that these, you know, that you shared that these questions aren't just a one and done, that it's okay to continue to struggle with them. Because again, we, I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions about the Christian life is that we somehow arrive at some, some point and then, and then we're done. And, and you're just clearly saying, I mean, even with, even with the desire, right? It's like, oh, well, yes, I want to be more like Jesus. Can I not move on from that question? But sometimes... <laughs> in certain seasons, requires a daily asking of that question, it seems. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and I do agree. I think, I think desire um, does, it's just a perfect first question that you ask. And so, uh, l- let me ask, did you write the book with an intentional um, path through these, though? I mean, I know that they're not a one-step, two-step, but it does feel like, in a lot of ways, that there is that sort of path progression where you have to sort of, like, this is what I want. Well, these are the things, the resistance. These are what's keeping me from that. Okay. Well, this is where maybe I need to be vulnerable in order to, you know, and you sort of end up at this place where it's like, oh yeah, this is what my soul loves. And so how can I live out this life in a, in a way that is from a place of, uh, of genuine desire and love? Well, let's, let's give Alan some credit. So the, if the questions were mine, we both went off and we both wrote half the book. So we divide, you know, outlined, charted. We both decided what we were going to write half of each chapter. And so we did that without a plan, like what order they're in. We just knew we had chapters, but I will give Alan full credit for being the genius for seeing the order. So I don't know if you actually, I don't know if you were thinking it through as well as he was saying we did. (laughs) I'm confident I I was not that insightful. Um, It was more intuitive. Okay. (laughs) 
I knew desire was first. I knew mm-hmm. that. I know that from my experience. I know that from my reading and my studies. I know you've got to start there. Um, and then admittedly, you know, the center questions are dealing in a lot of them with the kinds of barriers that get in the way of realizing this holy desire that is uh, is in the depths of my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, as I said, I think putting joy last so that we remember that's the vision. The vision is not, oh, this is a mess. Man, that needs to get changed. Oh, man, that's a mess. Oh, that's a mess. I mean, if that starts to be our vision, all the oh, stuff that has to change, give that'll just kill you. Yeah. yeah. But if you can keep on the horizon, no, I am moving in the direction of joy. This I, something in me is being restored. That that's deeply encouraging, and that's been our experience. That you know, little by little, as we lean into our resistances, or we open up a little more in terms of vulnerability, or we press through our fears, or we seek to practice the presence of God in the midst of things that hurt. These all become a part of the journey of actually being changed, and then we start to see the fruit of that. We go, that's really good. Yeah, there's a couple yeah. verses I'd like to throw out here that to me they started to emerge as central, kind of maybe during and after the writing. It's not like they became a part of it, but it was what was happening in me as this was emerging. Mm-hmm. So the two verses are this: um, Acts 17, uh, in Him we live and move and have our being. Okay, I've been pairing that with um, Philippians. It's Philippians, right? He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. So think about that. That's that's really an arc, isn't it? Mm-hmm. He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, if we we want to encourage people to have a vision for that, you could actually cooperate with that. <laughs> and while you're doing it, moment by moment, in him, I live and move and have my being. So there's this whole arc that God is initiating and inviting us to, of course, we can say yeses and nos, but we can cooperate as much as we can. And while we're doing it, we can remember that we're surrounded. Now, see, even just doing that much, though, isn't that, that's a lot of work. That that could take years. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <Yep. laughs> that's so easy to describe right now. Mm-hmm. But even just coming to that realization and being a person who embodies that takes a long time. Mm-hmm. And I love, it, it reminds me of uh, what the writer of Hebrews says at the beginning of chapter 12, having just gone through the entire faith chapter in 11, he gives all these examples of people who lived this life of faith. And he says, fix your eyes on Jesus, the author, the one who began, designed it, and the perfecter, the one who is going to complete it. Yes. And uh, that's just great. And to me... But that's the point, though, is that even though it's an arc, and even though, especially in our American culture, where the destination is the goal... And I don't want to be cliche and say, well, it's about the journey, not the destination. <laughs> it's, it's, it's got to be because Jesus is the destination. And keeping our eyes fixed on him brings us that joy. And so then that process, it may be hard, it might be difficult, and it might be cause more soul searching than we ever thought possible. In some way, God produces joy unspeakable in our hearts and in our lives through that process. I think that's what makes identity and, and this understanding that you are a beloved child of God, such an important starting point. Yes. Because it, if we look at answering these eight questions for ourselves, and we try to work through the process of, of growth and things like that, and we think, well, our identity is on the line, well, that struggle becomes a, a totally different animal. But if we have this identity in place, and we mm-hmm. understand we are a 
beloved children of God, and there's nothing that will threaten that, well, then this growth becomes something that we can do out of love, not out of fear. And when we have those times where we do mess up and we end up having to answer and and look at these same questions over and over and over again over 30, 40, 50, 60 years, well, then it's okay to actually struggle with those same questions for 30, 40, 50, 60 years because it's not about getting the right answer. It's about having that trajectory like you were talking about, Alan, that trajectory of I'm heading toward Jesus. And if I'm doing that, grace covers everything and I'm okay. My identity is in place. I'm secure as a child of God. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hear. In addition, you're saying Jesus is the destination. I'd like to add something to that because mm-hmm. John John 15 is coming to my mind. You know, the oh, yeah. image of the yeah. vine and the branch, and there's a way in which He's our destination, but He's also our companion yeah. and our shepherd. And so Very there's true. a there's a there's a closeness here. I mean, the vine and the branch remain in me. He says, and He's using this image of there's this. Have you guys ever been to a vineyard? Mm-hmm. Yep, you yeah, have vineyards yeah. in Missouri, or where are you, Missouri? <laughs> <laughs> We're in Missouri. Yeah, Missouri. We don't have <laughs> many here, but yeah. I've seen them. They, exactly. <laughs> California has vineyards. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, we've, we have visited one, and there's just the way there's this um, vine, and then there's all these branches, and you can get right in there in the bush and look at how the branch, and you've seen a tree, of course. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying there's a way in which that meeting place of where we abide in the old language of that passage, we mm-hmm. abide in him. And my other favorite, my other favorite phrase from scripture, let's add this to the other two that I just said, is in John 15, 5, apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm. So that's actually not a discouraging comment. It's, it's just no. a statement of right. yeah. yeah. Yep. Yes. It's it's enlivening to me, actually. It makes me feel not alone. Yeah. And it encourages me to stay attached as best I can, imperfectly as I'm doing it. Well, it yep. takes the pressure off of me because then it means I don't have to worry about doing anything because of the, the fact of the matter is I can't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your job then becomes abiding and yeah. uh, seeking him to do that work. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I so, mean, in yeah. a sense, this is also where the little words count. Uh, t- I, I hear a lot of people talking about working for God or mm-hmm. being changed for God. But I prefer words like in and with. I think those are better words to describe the nature of our interactivity with God in this process. But when we use a word like for or even about, there's this odd distancing, like God sort of becomes, you know, somewhere far away. And I'm I'm trying to do something for him. And I hope he hears about it sometime at the home office. But (laughs) I'm out here in the outskirts, man, you know, trying to do my best. But but, you know, his favorite image for all this is a yoke. Mm -hmm. Learn from me. It's a yoke. And I'm not in it alone. We're in it together all along the way. So so I love that kind of imagery. I I think the sense of that collaborate collaboration um, that into which we're invited. Yeah. Yeah. And I've got to share a story with you guys. So just this happened just a few months ago. In fact, Josh and I were having a nice spiritual conversation and um I forget what it was, but we got talking about Mary and Martha. So this is what I'm thinking when you when you keep talking about this stuff. And so again, everybody wants to be a Mary. And so I was saying something and you know, I'm talking, I don't remember exactly what it was. Josh can recount it better. But all I remember is Josh just goes, Yeah, dude, you're totally a Martha. <laughs> And I go, whoa, 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 no, 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 no. Look, I, I, look, I, I'm not a Martha. This is what I do. Look, I, I, I love Jesus. I do this and I do that. And I go like, oh, 
All right. All right. <laughs> but you're, you're yeah. so right, Alan. It's so easy. Even when you think you're abiding, you start counting your abiding time by all the different stuff that you're doing on the outskirts like that, trying to make sure everything is. And uh, so I fall into that trap, and uh, it's a trap that I didn't know I fell into until really oh, just recently. So. No, I appreciate your honesty. It's I think it's one that all of us wrestle with. We we have this sort of human habit of turning things into this system we're supposed to run instead of a relationship we're cultivating. And that the be transformed is it really is that that language of the passive voice. Someone else is initiating and overseeing this process. I'm a participant. Of course, I am. I'm being impacted by this journey, but I'm a responder. I'm a responder to an uh, to another one who's initiating that that doesn't make me any less active. It just reminds me the nature of my action is not first. If you, like me, struggle to let go of your own agenda, your own will and your own desire to produce spiritual growth, remember that you are the passive recipient of God's grace and spirit. You can do nothing in your own strength to grow yourself. Instead, We must give our wills and our desires over to God and allow Him to produce growth in us. This takes us becoming secure in our identities in Him to first surrender our lives. And then we must make space in our lives for Him to work. So I want to challenge you today to make space. Intentionally set aside some time so you can abide in His presence. Begin this time by asking God to reveal to you what your soul loves. And then simply sit in the silence and solitude and let God work in your heart. You may experience a wave of emotion as God begins to reveal the depths of your heart, or you may only experience the simple stillness. Either way, know that God is sitting with you in that room, using that moment to transform you into his image. How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle where walking with Jesus throughout the day is not only possible, but natural. And we have a tool that's going to help you do just that. It's called the Daily Growth Journal. It's a guided journal that's going to help you become secure in your identity with God and authentically walk with Him in your daily life. Growing daily in your walk with Christ is possible if you cultivate a lifestyle of discipleship. And the Daily Growth Journal will help you do just that. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Jem and Alan's work, check out unhurriedliving.com. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation, where Jem and Alan tell us a bit about how what they've learned about transformation has changed their marriage. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to dailygrowthdiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.